Well, good morning, everyone. It's lovely to be here this morning, and a special welcome if you're new or visiting. Uh, my name's Marshall. I'm one of the pastors here, uh, and it's my pleasure to be sharing with you on this special occasion. Um, well, the idea of having some kind of ceremony for a major life changing experience is as old as the hills. Pretty much every culture has them. Today we celebrated Dorette's baptism. And as we'll see uh, in, the, uh, in the little while um, uh, that, that's left, um, that baptism is a ceremony that's full of symbolism about Dorette's relationship and the relationship of every believer that they have with Jesus. But I want to start off by showing you a few other examples of ceremonies celebrating major life changes that I came across. This is a picture of the Hamar tribe in Ethiopia. Uh, they have a custom of bull jumping where uh, a young boy um, going through their initiation into manhood has to run back and forth across uh, the backs uh, of, of a row of bulls uh, and they, they do that twice and if they fall off they're ridiculed um, by all their mates then there's another uh, initiation ceremony to become a fully fledged member of the Amazonian Sotera Mawe tribe I probably butchered that name in Brazil uh, now, Jim has lit, spent some time in Brazil, so I imagine he's gone through this. Young boys would put on gloves filled with biting bull ants, and they have to resist the sting uh, for around 10 minutes. Um, after the gloves are removed, the effects are severe and long-lasting, uh, but that's not all. They have to do that around 20 times before the boy is then allowed into the tribe. You'd have to really want to become a member of the tribe, hey? Then the third one, this one's a bit harder to see, but it's a picture of what is called a deposition into university uh, in the Middle Ages. Uh, I think it's a shame that uh, this one has gone out of fashion because I reckon our young people today have it too soft. The idea behind a deposition was that someone coming to uni was wild and untamed and they had to get rid of their uncivilised state before they were allowed to study. They would be scolded, beaten and then given artificial body parts which were then uh, removed, symbolising changing from an animal to a civilised human being. Now I was inspired by all of these examples. I thought, wouldn't it be great to incorporate some of these into Durette's baptism. <laughs> Sadly, though, I couldn't find enough bull ants. And then the SWEC board told me that there were restrictions to how many bulls I was allowed to bring into the church courtyard. They gave some silly reason about health and safety. But seriously, there are some similarities between each of these ceremonies and baptism. They all celebrate someone uh, becoming part of something new, don't they? Of, uh, it's a rite of passage. Becoming part of the tribe or the university. And Durette, we celebrated today, becoming part of God's family. 
But then there's a massive difference as well. With these initiation ceremonies, to become part of the tribe, you've got to do something to prove yourself. Uh, you've got to uh, perform some feat to be skillful enough or you have to be brave enough, tough enough to show that you're worthy of becoming part of the tribe. It's up to you to be good enough. But baptism is very different to that. Because in baptism it celebrates us being joined with Jesus when we do nothing. It's all about what Jesus has done for us. And we join with him and we benefit from what he has done. We share in what he has done for us. Baptism is a declaration that we have begun a new life under a new master. It celebrates the fact that our new life is now identified with Jesus and joined with him in three ways. One, we die with him. Two, we are raised to life with him. And thirdly, we share in his victory with him. Why don't you pray with me as we look at God's word. Father God, we thank you so much that we could celebrate Dorette's baptism today. We thank you so much for the uh, uh, example she has been, uh, that we have witnessed how powerfully you have worked in her life. We pray, Lord, today as we look at what baptism means, that you would encourage us, that you would challenge us, that you would help us think more clearly about what it means to walk with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the passage that we're looking at that we had read out to us by Kathy uh, is from a letter written by Paul. Uh, and he, it's written to a church in a place called Colossi, which is in modern-day Turkey. His aim in writing is to help believers not to be led astray by dodgy teaching. That's the main uh, idea of the letter. We won't be going into that today. But in doing that, he wants the people, his, his listeners to grasp the idea that Jesus is, a, is God and that he became a man. So let's pick it up. Um, our first point that we are buried in Christ. The, um, so verse 11. I haven't got that. No, sorry, I haven't got that one. Verse 9 says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. So Paul is saying that Jesus is both is man and God at the same time. Then the second thing he wants them to know is that as believers, we are joined in Jesus, connected with him. It says in verse 10, And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. That idea of being joined in Christ, joined with him, holds this whole passage together. We are circumcised with him. We are buried with him. We are raised with him. We are made alive with him. And that is central to what baptism represents. And there are the three points of the passage today that bring out three ways that baptism represents our journey. 
First point is that in, in Christ we are buried together. We are buried with Christ. Verse 11 says, The whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism. Paul is describing here what happens when someone becomes a Christian. They put off their old self, which is ruled by the flesh. That means ruled by the desires and ambitions of this world. We who are believers are buried with Jesus in baptism. That means that we go through a kind of death. Now back in Jesus' day, uh, baptism was more commonly done in a river or something like that. And today we often use a pool as well, don't we, where uh, people literally go under the water and then come back up. When people do that, go under the water, it's to symbolise the idea of death. In Paul's day, most people wouldn't have been able to swim. So the idea of going underwater would have been a terrifying prospect. Now, Dorette and I talked about ways that we could simulate that. We talked about bringing a hose and about spraying the hose. I thought of a fire hose. That would have been appropriate because you kind of drown under a fire hose. So it would have been very symbolic of death, but I think it would have wrecked the carpet in the church. So we ditched that idea. But the idea of going under the water symbolises dying and death to that old life. It's a radical move, dying to our old self. And it involves pain. It's a complete cutting off from the life that we lived before. We die to our right to run the show ourselves. We die to the right to be our own kings and queens of our own life. We leave all that behind. And that's what Dorette has declared today, that she has already done. So it says we are buried, we die to our old life, but then it says we are buried with Christ in baptism. What's that all about? We clearly weren't physically with Jesus when he died on the cross. But it's got to do with what Jesus died for. He died to pay for our sin. Sin in the Bible means rebellion against God. It means our insistence to live for ourselves and we push God out of the picture and reject him. When we place our trust in Jesus, we trust that his death brought forgiveness for our sin. He died for our sin when we couldn't pay for it ourselves. He died as our substitute and as our representative. Think of a football match. Um, I know a lot of you can still remember the Matildas um, uh, campaign in the World Cup. It's really exciting supporting them. I got really invested in supporting the Matildas. When we won that penalty shootout against France, I almost screamed the roof down. I was so excited. Then a, couple, then a few days later when we lost to England, I was deflated. I was depressed for a couple of days. When they won, I claimed the victory as my victory, as our victory. But what Jesus did becomes ours 
in a much more real way. His defeat of sin is also your defeat of sin. His death is also my death. When Dorette was baptised, she was declaring being buried as Jesus was buried. But then someone going under the water comes back up. They go under the water, but then they come back. And so baptism also represents new life, rising out of the water. And that's our second point. It's a sign of being raised to life with Christ. Have a look at verse 12. So you are also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. You were raised with Christ. The scriptures tell us that Jesus didn't stay dead. He was raised from the dead. He was buried on the Friday. And then on the Sunday morning, two women went to the tomb. They discovered the tomb empty. Then the disciples joined them. They discovered that Jesus had risen from the dead. Jesus' resurrection showed two things. Firstly, it shows that what he did on the cross, dying for the sin of the world, is finished once and for all. And so our sin is completely done away with, completely paid for, with nothing left to pay, nothing left for us do, to do to find forgiveness and acceptance with God. And that's what allows us to have new life. Because our sin has been dealt with. Have a look at verse 13. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. So now we stand before God forgiven. No barrier between us. No sin to block us. With our guilt and our shame nailed to the cross. Secondly, Jesus' resurrection shows us that, who, that he is who he claimed to be. That is, that he really is God's son. That he really is God who came in the flesh as a man. And he really does now have all the authority as king of all creation. And of course that includes king over us. But once again, Paul talks in this strange way about us joining with Jesus when he is raised. And notice in verse 12, he talks in the past tense. He says, you also were raised with Jesus. How does that work? None of us have died yet. None of us have been resurrected yet. But actually, we have. Not physically, but spiritually, we've been resurrected. Because we have died to our old life. Because our sin has been dealt with. Because we now have been forgiven, all in the past tense. 
the believer has now genuinely begun a new life. An eternal life that will continue beyond even death. And we can see that in Dorette's life, can't we? We heard about it in the story that she's told. We heard about it in the radical about face in all that she lives for, her motivations, who she lives for, her actions. Everything about her life has changed. It's still the same Dorette as before, walking around in the same body. But inwardly, spiritually, she's completely changed. Her life and the life of every believer is under new management. Every believer has a new master. Physically, our bodies are getting older and groaning and falling apart. At least mine is. But spiritually, our motivations, our desires, our ambitions are all being renewed and changed as we live for a new master. It's a radical revolution. It's a total regime change where we have been dethroned and Jesus has taken the throne and rules as king. Third point, victory with Christ. A moment ago I said that Jesus' resurrection shows his authority as king. And it shows that his death on the cross achieved what it meant to achieve, which is defeat of sin. But it did more than that. Jesus also defeated the spiritual powers of darkness. It's there in verse 15. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle over them, triumphing over them by the cross. The Bible makes it clear that there are real forces of evil in this world. And none of us have to go very far to see that, do we? Read it in the news every day. See it with our own eyes. There are real enemies of God and of human beings. And the chief architect of evil is Satan. At the cross, Jesus disarms Satan and his forces. And the chief weapon that Satan uses against us is human sin. Sin brings shame and guilt. Things that Dorette talked about leaving behind that day as she sat on the beach. Sin brings shame, guilt, alienation between us and God and between each other. Sin is the source of misery, hatred, violence, despair. When Jesus dealt with our sin, he disarmed all that power that Satan has over us. For the Christian, the shame and guilt that Satan used to traffic misery are now disarmed. And now, God turns those things back on his enemies. Verse 15 literally says, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them, triumphing over them in him. Instead of that shame being on us, it now rebounds onto Satan 
and the spiritual authorities. Isn't that wonderful news? We share in that victory with Jesus because the power of Satan and the spiritual forces is broken for us. Now, does that mean that we're perfect? Does that mean that as believers that we now somehow miraculously aren't affected by sin? No, of course not. But what it means is that the power of sin to control us and to dominate us has been broken. And it means that bit by bit, God changes us and restores us to be the people we were created to be. Restored in the image of God. Restored to the dignity that he has made us to have. So today we've seen that baptism is a public declaration of a radical new birth. A new life under a new master. We've seen Dorette declare that a new life is now wrapped up in Jesus, joined with him in three ways. That she has died with him and been buried with him. That she, she, she now has been raised to new life. That's lived with him and for him. And thirdly, that as a Christian, Dorette now shares in Jesus' victory over Satan and sin at the cross. As we celebrate with Dorette and think about how her commitment to follow Jesus has been radically life-changing, I want to just finish off by asking you to think about how that story of baptism, that story of changing allegiance, living for a new master, the story of Jesus dying for your sin, and the ending of that story, which is Jesus' victory, I want us to think about how, where we sit in that story. How can we share in that story? Who are you living for? Who do you want to live for? Have you made that definite, decisive decision to change regimes and let Jesus rule in your life by trusting him for forgiveness? And to be your king. Friends, that's a very significant decision. The most important decision that you can make. Because it determines whether you have forgiveness with God or not. It determines your eternal destiny. It determines whether your sins are dealt with or not. And if you've never really thought about that or, or you realise today that actually you've never taken that step, perhaps you've been coming to church for a while, um, perhaps you're new, but perhaps you've never taken that step of asking God for forgiveness and trusting in Jesus, I want to strongly encourage you to do something about that today. A great first step might involve coming and talking to someone, someone who brought you. Um, I'd love to talk to you myself. Dorette would love to talk to you. One of our elders, Steve or Brett, or perhaps the person sitting next to you. We'd love to walk alongside you in investigating what's next in response to what you've heard today. But maybe you're another category, maybe you're already a Christian. 
Maybe you've never taken the step of being baptised. In that case, I'd really encourage you to consider doing that and declaring publicly what you believe and who you now live for. At this point, I want to make something very clear about baptism. I should have said this earlier because this is very important to understand. Being baptised does not make you a Christian. That's really important to grasp. It doesn't magically make you right with God. It doesn't magically bring you forgiveness. What what, um, Dorette did today, baptism, is just an outward sign of a spiritual reality that has already happened. So Dorette became a Christian at the point she trusted in Jesus, I think about 18 months ago. What she has done here is just declaring publicly, nailing a flag to the mask, that 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 is a spiritual reality that's already happened. Then finally, perhaps you're already a Christian, perhaps you've already been baptised, that's great. I want to encourage you today, I want to remind you today of who your master is. You have died to your old self. That is dead and buried. You have been raised with Jesus. As you go through the daily routine of going to work, coming home, doing the most mundane everyday stuff, that now has an eternal significance. And your life, your decisions, your attitudes matter because you're not just living for yourself. But everything you do is in service of your new master, King Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the things we've been reminded about with baptism. Thank you again for uh, the witness of Dorette that she has been willing to uh, change her allegiance, change regimes, and now she follows you as her master. We pray that you would challenge each of us to consider where we are at with you. And Father, we pray that we might go away here encouraged, challenged uh, to, uh, to make it the highest priority of our lives, to make you our master and to follow you and make sure we're trusting in you alone for forgiveness, uh, for newness of life and for the life to come. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.